Welcome to the Red Clinic Podcast. I'm Dr. Schwalen, licensed psychologist and expert in the treatment of eating disorders. Today we're going to talk about school lunch and eating disorders because we're back to school, right? And whether that be in person or virtually still, private school, homeschooling, school lunch and eating disorders is a really important topic. Um, so I'm going to break it down. Actually, I'm going to give some, some recommendations or thoughts and ideas about public school and private school and how to navigate both systems also homeschooling situations. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the different scenarios that we can anticipate with kids who are in eating disorder recovery and on a meal plan. Okay, so that's really specific. So that means your child is in treatment or, um, yeah, is in treatment or has had experience being in treatment. And so we're going to talk kind of through that. But then we're going to talk a little bit also about the kid who's not in treatment yet and you might be concerned that something's going on with their eating and kind of how to handle that with the school. So school lunch and eating disorders. Typically, if someone's in treatment, what we normally do is we try to be as proactive as possible to anticipate the things that a student would be going through while navigating eating disorder recovery and being in school. And so I want you guys to all think about that, right? I want parents out there listening, loved ones, family members, even teachers if you're listening, what are the things that I want you to have in the forefront of your mind when anticipating eating disorders in school lunches? So a big deal is, you know, first just answering the question, who at school really knows about the diagnosis and do we need to let more people in on it? Okay, this is a personal type of um, decision that all families have to make for themselves. I generally recommend that if you know your child is struggling to eat at school because of the eating disorder, um, if you know that, you know, the school lunch cafeteria is not really working out for them, then we might need to get a little bit more support. And so we can do that through a Section 504 plan. I've talked about it before on this show, but I'll kind of remind you all about what it means. Section 504 is an extension of the Americans with Disabilities Act, ultimately protecting students in the, in the public school setting. And so what it means is students can have access to normal everyday um, activities and resources that any other kid would, despite having a medical or psychological um, disorder or, or diagnosis, okay? And so it also means that they can have some accommodations if that's what their treatment team is recommending. So in the case of a student who has an eating disorder that's maybe stepped down from treatment from a hospital or is currently in outpatient treatment, they're more than likely to also have a meal plan or meal plan requirements. And I always say when someone's in recovery from an eating disorder, we want to think about food as medicine even if it's just for a little bit, but we're helping their body heal from the disordered eating patterns, and we're helping them understand what it's like to normally fuel their body on a schedule throughout the day. And so food is medicine for a person with an eating disorder, and it can be any kind of eating disorder um, in terms of restrictive eating patterns or overeating or binge eating or even purging. So whatever is going on in that person's eating disorder, I want us to first think about how food is fuel and food can heal us from the inside out. And for that reason, food can be treated like medicine when we're in eating disorder recovery. So I usually say to parents all the time, since food is medicine and when we're dealing with an eating disorder and kids generally go to the nurse's office to take medicine during the school, the school day, 
It's also okay to think through different ways for a child to eat their lunch um, in like an accommodated manner or an alternate fashion. For any kid, not just one who has an eating disorder, the cafeteria can be very stressful. So I just want to put this out there. It doesn't matter what kind of school your child goes to. If it's not at home, really, it's not really the teacher's responsibility or the school personnel's responsibility to make your child eat. They are offered that lunch period, you know, because it is required by law to have lunch period. But what your child does during that period is up to them. Now, there are a lot of kids that will sit down and eat their lunch. And there are a lot of kids who will go to that cafeteria, scan the room and the options if they're not bringing lunch from home, and decide that nothing looks good and choose not to eat. There are also a lot of kids who will take their lunch, give most of it away, or get so distracted with socializing or playing that they forget to eat, and now they've run out of time and aren't able to eat. So for whatever reason, lunch isn't always eaten by our kids. When there's an eating disorder at play, though, skipping lunch is not really the healthiest or best option at all. And so to help your child adhere to their meal plan, kind of want you to think about the meal plan as their prescription, okay? And so if the food is their medicine, the meal plan is their prescription, we know they've got to take their medicine during lunch, find ways to support that happening. If there's a 504 plan in place, it makes this a lot easier. You just talk to the school counselor, maybe email them or let them know that you're interested in setting up a 504 for your child. And then this is one of the things that you and the school can brainstorm through together. Different things that I've seen is literally kids go to the nurse's office to eat their lunch. Sometimes they go to the library where it's quiet and not as stressful or overwhelming. And there's a librarian or some other school personnel there, not necessarily to make your kid eat or even interact with your kid, but at least your child is, you know, not alone and they have some adult supervision. There are also options for the child to go into a teacher's room and eat with a trusted teacher who may understand that the child has an eating disorder and is willing to help, or even into the counselor's office. So those are more restrictive options, and sometimes kids need that, okay? Sometimes I see that as a very successful approach with younger kids. And then when it comes to our middle school and high school kids, they don't want to be separated from their friends, for the most part. For the most part, if we separate them, that can become kind of socially very difficult for them. They don't wanna be any different than anyone else. They don't want everybody to know that something's going on with them. And so actually separating them from the cafeteria can be more stressful. So you have to really weigh out the pros and cons of each option. But I've seen many times when kids stay in the cafeteria But we get a trusted adult at the school on board with at least communicating with the parents. So again, it's not the personnel job to make your child eat or remind them to eat. But it can be very appropriate for them to just kind of walk by the table, take a notice of what the child had, you know, packed in their lunch or on their plate. And then come on by again at the end of lunch and see if the child ate anything, all of it, some of it, or or whatever the case may be. And then easily send an email home, you know, I I observed so-and-so today at lunch. They seemed in good spirits, and it appeared that they ate all their food. 
Or I observed so-and-so at lunch. They were busy talking to their friends. And when I walked by at the end of lunch, it didn't seem like they ate much at all. That way you have some information. And I like to put that boundary there so school understands it's not my job to make your child eat. It's just my job to report the news, which is usually very reasonable because homeschool communication um, is a good thing to have no matter what it's about. So those are some ideas. Um, teenagers typically really like to have a friend with them, whichever setting they're in. So a lot of times they'll ask, okay, if I'm going to go to the library or the counselor's office, can I bring like two of my really good friends with me? Those are definitely strategies that the school I've seen many times agree to. So friends kind of have the insight onto what the child is going through. The friend will go with them to the library, sit and eat. And again, the friend understands it's not my job to make you eat. It's just my job to be here and hang out with you. And we get to have lunch in a quiet room rather than the loud, noisy cafeteria. Um, it's through the treatment team that the child and the family together will make the decision when it is time to go back into the cafeteria. And so um, schools will just kind of have to agree to this setup for as long as it takes until the child is truly ready to get back into the full cafeteria setting. And then always, if your child is struggling and they're in the cafeteria, there are ways to pull back from that and go to more restrictive situation just depending on what the child's need is. And so going back and forth is also totally fine to do just depending on where that child is in their recovery. The more stressful things get during the school year, the more support your child may need. And you just need to be thinking through that and be flexible and adapt the situation to make sure that your child is taking their prescription every day. So that's some ideas on how to kind of navigate school lunch and eating disorders. Now, what if your child attends a private school? So what I kind of described to you is much more common in the public school setting where you either choose to have an adult um, kind of communicate and facilitate that for you in the cafeteria or move the kid into a more secluded area to eat with a friend or with a teacher. But in private school, I've seen that a lot of times those resources aren't that available. And sometimes in public schools too. It can be very challenging right now, especially with COVID, for public schools to um, provide the necessary resources to help with these accommodations for kids. So again, go at this with like a very open mindset and a collaborative type of position versus us against them because most schools want to work with you to help your child stay in recovery. It's mostly just about how do we make these accommodations possible. So in a private school, because, you know, um, they may not have as many resources, there's no such thing really as special education in private school, uh, they're not necessarily used to making that many accommodations for students. And again, this is just an open conversation that I urge you to have with the, the support people at the school. Generally, you know, teachers and principals and counselors want to help students. And so when you kind of let them know what the situation is and what's needed, they tend to brainstorm and find good ideas. In the private school setting, a lot of the same things that kids can do in the public school setting are possible. So maybe sitting with a trusted friend or a trusted adult during the meal, either in the cafeteria or in a separate classroom, I've seen those happen. Those options play out at private schools as well. It's just a little bit different how you have to go about it, 
and a little bit more, I think, collaborative by way of um, parents suggesting different ideas to the school. This may be a new situation for them, something they haven't really had to brainstorm through before. Now also, it's totally possible for you as the parents to go and eat with your child as well. That's true for public or private school. You just find out when the lunch break is and you go and you support your child through their meal. Sometimes I've seen parents do that. And I've seen parents do that for kids in eating disorder recovery of all ages. So they'll go to the elementary school, the middle school, or the high school, and they'll just hang out with their kid and, and support them through that. Sometimes in high school, kids don't want that. Um, and so they'll be more open to the other options in terms of, okay, I won't come, but then let's get you into the library or in the counselor's office instead. Because right now where you're at in treatment, it seems like the cafeteria is just going to be too overwhelming. So wherever your kid is at, you want to find how to meet them there. Um, getting teachers involved can be really helpful. You know, I've mentioned that several times now. I want to just make sure that I reiterate that the boundary is they're not there to make your kid eat. They're not there to be the food police. They're just there to report the news. And so a lot of families will come up with a system directly with the school of, yes, you'll send me an email every day with how you think my kid did. Or some parents will even put a little note in the lunchbox, um, with here's everything that we packed this morning, please check off that they ate this or not. And then I need to see the note every day when I get when the kid gets home. Um, and then other ways, it's just the child can be trusted. And most of the time, they'll tell you, right, if they're at that place in the recovery of I threw my lunch away, I restricted, or I traded my food with another kid and I got off what I was supposed to eat today. Or um, they bring home the empty packages of the food they ate. Or they bring home everything that they didn't eat remains in the lunchbox. I mean, there's different systems that you can implement uh, depending on whatever you are comfortable with. Um, packing lunch is a really good option too. So when someone's in recovery from an eating disorder, that's usually what I see families do is they'll start packing lunches. Because according to meal plan, there's certain requirements that um, a person needs to be meeting every day. And it can be a little easier to do when you just pack those requirements for your child. It's less daunting. It can be less anxiety provoking um, if the food's just already there and they don't have to think about it or make any choices. When you um, send a child into a cafeteria that might be set up like a food court, because lately here school cafeterias are pretty fancy, right? And they have, you know, overwhelming amount of options. Like here's the salad bar and the sandwich bar and then the hot lunch and the cold lunch options or whatever it may be. That can be really overwhelming to kids. And instead of being um, maybe excited about the options, they tend to shut down and avoid eating because it's very difficult to make a decision. If the decision's already been made for them, the food is packed and it's ready to go, it takes that element out of their of their having to eat and meet their prescription requirements. If your child is buying lunch and they have a school account, it's a very good idea to get the school menu ahead of time. So this is something that not all parents will think about, so I'd like to guide them on this. But look at the school menu. Usually schools are publishing this a month or a full year in advance, and you can tell what the cafeteria is going to be providing. It's okay to go through that with your dietitian, or if it's appropriate, because your child is ready for that, you can even go through it with your child who's in recovery and say, okay, this is what's being served. 
How do we hit your meal plan requirements? And which day out of the week do you want to try to eat the school lunch? So instead of just throwing them into it and asking them to do it every day, you might start with one or two days at a time and then have them have a sense of control because they kind of know what to expect, what's on their, what's going to meet their meal plan requirements, and then they know exactly what they're going to be doing that day if they're buying their lunch. Other things that I want families to think about is if your child is on a meal plan, they also need to be having snacks at school. And so um, talking to teachers or understanding what the school rules are about eating during the school day when it's not lunchtime is going to be really important. But again, if teachers don't want food in their classroom uh, or the child doesn't, you know, they have worries. I hear this all the time from kids of all ages. I don't want my friends to see me eating. I don't want to eat when no one else is eating. You know, just concerns like that. It's also okay to think of, well, let's be excused, go to the nurse's office, eat your snack, 10 minutes, and then go back to the class. If that's too invasive or, you know, kind of interrupts their flow, then we have to talk it out with the teacher of how can my student, when they're in your classroom at their snack time, go ahead and eat when they're supposed to be eating. Most of the time, though, especially in high school, I've uh, heard that teachers don't mind at all when kids are eating. And so then that's just something you have to brainstorm with your child of what time of day are you going to eat your snack and how are you going to make sure it happens. So those are discussions that I want you to have proactively and then do check-ins of like, hey, how's it going? Sometimes it's okay to combine snack with meal. So if your child's day is just too packed or they're not able to get their morning snack in, you can just ask them to eat it at lunch. And so now they're eating that snack that you packed at lunch, but at least they're getting it in versus restricting it. Um, homeschool and virtual schooling is going to be really important for parents to be thinking about just creating that structure, making sure that your child is taking a break every day for lunch, sitting down with no distractions, no screens, and able to sit down and do what they need to do to make meal plan requirements. If something's not working out because, you know, you're too busy at home or too distracted, can't get off work calls because it's virtual or whatever is happening, then that's something I want you to be troubleshooting with your treatment providers and having very direct um, problem-solving types of conversations with them because there's going to need to be something worked out in order to make sure that your child is making meal plan requirements. I hope you're, you're understanding that if your child's in recovery or if they're, you know, in eating disorder treatment, it's very, very important to prioritize that recovery and that treatment, even if they're in school. It doesn't just stop because they went to school for the day and then when they come home, you pick back up. It's not like that. It's a constant thing. It's something that has to be intentional every day until it doesn't have to be anymore, right? But it takes a, a while to get to that point. And so that intentionality of making meal plan requirements, of putting the support around your child, of setting up 504 committees and, and making those accommodations happen, it's a lot in the beginning, but once it's in place, it actually flows really smoothly and has been the support that many of my clients in the Red Clinic have needed. And many clients I know that have treated in the past with eating disorders have absolutely needed so that they can prioritize their mental health, their physical health, and their eating disorder recovery which ultimately allows them to achieve and live the best life that they want and truly overcome that eating disorder. So there you have it. That's the Red Clinic Podcast. See you next week. 